Welcome to Don't Look Now, the podcast with your hosts, Jenny McDonald and Will Hageman, coming to you this Tuesday, the day after Christmas. It's not actually the day after Christmas when we're recording this, but you're going to be listening to it after Christmas. So we're still pre-Christmas, busy wrapping, busy trying to figure out what all we're doing. But uh, to those of you that are on the other side of Christmas, Merry Christmas. And uh, as always, we've got our podcast full of random topics from history, cults, Cats, whatever the case may be, Jenny has some ADHD-fueled thing that she has promised me today. I have no idea what we're about to talk about. So, uh, yeah, give me give me some clues here, Jenny. What, what are we what are we talking about today? It started off innocently enough. I had a really clear vision, and then we went down and destroyed ourselves. So, I want to talk about kind of cultish stuff and history and Christmas. Yeah. All as right. one should, right? Christmas history cults. That's that's uh, yeah, you know. yeah. This is a cult that surrounds a half goat demon. <laughs> this sounds like the satanic idol in the Iowa capital that just got desecrated about a week ago. Uh, yeah. You're not fully wrong here. Is the weird part? <laughs> so You're not fully right. Kind of Krampus cult or something, or what are we? What it are we? It is here? Krampus. Right. Yeah, yeah. So um, Krampus is said to be, and this is one of those things where, like, the internet's really funny. I National Geographic has an article that says that it's the son of a Norse god of the underworld. And then I found out the truth. Absolutely not. So I just want to start there. <laughs> okay. Krampus is purported to be the son of Hel, who in, like, the Marvel stuff is Hela, who's the daughter of Odin. Mm-hmm. This is all stemming from a book that was written in 2012 where the author does a Neil Gaiman and like interweaves historical like history with the gods. Okay. And everybody was like, obviously that's who it is because he did enough real history in it that he <laughs> literally convinced national geographic. That's who this is. No, oh, nice. So um, this true story though of Krampus is that with synopsis is he punishes naughty children at Christmas time and then drags some of them to hell. <laughs> Short story. Now, the true story is a little bit bigger and a little bit more convoluted as all of history is, especially, you know, like when we start talking about history from the point of when it goes back to Norse history all the way up to modern times. It's Mm -hmm. a lot of reconfiguring of history. So we know history is fascinating because it has roots, very pagan roots. Um, There's a lot of celebrations for winter solstice, for the Yule and De- December is the darkest time of the year, generally, in the Northern Hemisphere. Uh, so a lot of ancestors believe this to be a time of year that is really sacred to ghosts and goblins, which is fascinating that Christmas was so closely associated to ghosts when, like, Halloween exists as well, mm-hmm. right? So it's just kind of like Halloween's the opening of the dark in the ghosty season, and then Christmas just kind of pops it in there. So it's dark and cold outside, um, and it's thought that it makes this it makes it easier for the dead to return and torment the living because you know it's cold. The wind is howling through the trees. It's where like a lot of people start to hear people screaming in the night, especially in old times when you can't blame it on your neighbor's cat, things like that. 
the winter solstice symbolically celebrated the death of the earth and the rebirth as the sunlight starts to come back and the spring starts to go. So we had summer solstice officially yesterday. Thank you, sweet Jesus, because it was dark at four o'clock yesterday. Oh, it, was, it was crazy dark yesterday just because it was that misty rain that just yeah. seems to eat the light anyway. And that on top of the fact that, you know, the sun set so early, like. Yeah, like 5.30, it was just pitch black. <laughs> yeah. It's like, whoa. And it's very Nuts. confusing to your body and brain. Like, should I be in bed right now? Should I turn every light in the house on because I live in a cave if I don't? Like, what's happening? It's a mess. Um, but for the ancients, death is a central theme in December. Once again, super fucking weird that it's December, but whatever. So it's the time when the veil is the thinnest and the dead can pass from their world into ours really common for Victorian, um, English Victorians to tell ghost stories at this time of the year. They especially would tell them around the hearth as a creepy way to pass time in the dark because it's dark at four o'clock in the afternoon and you don't go to bed at four o'clock in the afternoon. I sometimes do, but I'm up 10 minutes later. So (laughs) they start telling creepy stories, which is how, you know, Charles Dickens' Christmas Carol comes around mm-hmm. and, you know, Ebenezer Scrooge. He's visited by the ghost, past, present, and future. Yep. Speaking of which, we just watched the Muppet Christmas Carol last night. So that was that was good stuff. That is the best rendition. Yeah, it is true. Ever. What are your thoughts? Who is it that is it Michael Caine that plays? Yep. yep. Yes. Michael Caine does it right. He's, you know, plays a kind of perfect straight edge Scrooge to all of the Muppets doing their things. And he's, you know, totally earnest in his role of like Scrooge and it, it works well. So I'll have to find it. There's some meme that compares him and Tim Curry to how they interact with the, like he just acts as though he's a straight Broadway star, like doesn't, doesn't phase him whatsoever. These are co-stars. And then like Tim Curry is a Muppet. I think it's the comparison. Tim Curry is, yeah, just disappears into the Muppets as, as a Muppet. Muppet, but yeah. <laughs> Tim Curry is a great actor. Um, so a lot of our current holiday traditions we can think of Victorian England for, as we talked about, um, things like Christmas cards, Christmas trees, all that kind of stuff. And for whatever reason, ghost stories at Christmas time starts to become a forgotten tradition. I'm going to blame the Industrial Revolution and electricity. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. It really is an interesting time of the year, though, to tell ghost stories and for people to believe in magic and unseen forces that are working behind the scenes, especially because with all the darkness, when there is light, anything that someone's done after dark appears like magic the next day, right? Yeah. So it's kind of a cool thing. All right. So here's the story of Krampus. Uh, He starts coming out on the evening of December 5th, a night called Krampus Knocked. And you can hear him coming because he has steps that are really soft. And he has um, alternately bare human feet or cloven hooves, just kind of depending. Very similar to Santa Claus in tail. Like you can hear him, right? Mm -hmm. And if you see him, you notice he's armed with birch branches because he beats the crap out of people with them, usually swatting them on their legs or whatever. And he's known for being in the Austro-Hungarian region. So you've got like Germany, Austria, Czechoslovakia, Czech Republic. What it? Czechia right. now. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this is still a very common practice in this area even. And he's sometimes known as the anti-Santa, whatever. So if you look straight at descriptions um, and the descriptions kind of vary depending on where in the Alpines you are. 
Um, but some of the things that are pretty consistent is he has a pointed devil horns and a long snake-like tongue. His body is covered in coarse fur, and he kind of looks like a goat and a demon had a baby, mm-hmm. which just sounds delightful. <laughs> exactly what you want to see in the dark. Yeah. In December. Yeah. Just like popping out in the dark at you, chasing you with branches. Um, his body and arms are strung with chains and bells, and he carries a large sack or basket. And this is what he uses to cart off evil children and take them to hell. Now, this is the Christian Catholic version of Krampus. Didn't always start like that. So generally, he comes to town the night before the Feast of St. Nicholas and visits all the houses to dish out punishment. So Santa comes for the good kids. Krampus comes for the bad kids. If you're lucky, bare minimum, you're just going to get swatted with the birch branch. If not, like I said, you're going to get put in that sack. And you're going to either be eaten, drowned, or dropped off in hell. Whatever he's in the mood for. Now, (laughs) go ahead. (laughs) I was just going to say, the Germans never really held back about scaring the crap out of their kids with stuff. It's like every fairy tale, every, everything is like horrifying. So well, this is because this is another brother's grim story. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we want to be honest. This, this yeah. is a brother's grim story. Um, and Krampus is accompanied by St. Nick. So there, there's quite a bit of dark and light yin and yang thought behind this. Right. Mm-hmm. So, Santa Claus, St. Nicholas, doesn't bother himself with naughty kids. Instead, he focuses on handing out presents to well-behaved kids, and then everything's left up to Krampus to notify the other kids that they need to get their shit together, essentially. So we know that the name Krampus comes from Krampen, which means claw, and he bears, like I said, that resemblance to Old Norse legends. Um, And this is another one of those really funny things, like literally every article I found. He's the son of hell, the god of the underworld. No, he's not. But that's okay. It's okay. There's reasons why they're combined. Um, And it's a really compelling story because his appearance coincides with a number of pagan winter rites, especially one that sends people parading through the streets to disperse the ghosts of winter. And yeah, that is a thing. And I will explain that. So some of these early pagan rituals that were already established in the Alpine region um, became intertwined with Catholicism as everything will over time because they took over and colonized the world. People would masquerade initially not as Krampus, but as a figure known as Perked, which is a two-legged humanoid goat with a giraffe-like neck wearing animal furs. (laughs) And people would... Um, wore these costumes and marched in processions known as Perktaflaufen, which are regarded as an early form of the Krampus runs. And the festivals would date back to when farmers performed pagan rites to disperse the ghosts of winter to help bring in fruitful harvests. Um, The farmers would wear terrifying masks with the thought that these would scare the ghosts away. And the festivals came during the Twelve Nights, festivals which bring luck and wealth to people. In the 16th century, Perkton took two forms. And this is when it gets interesting because it's, remember I said it started as a two-legged humanoid goat. Mm -hmm. So in the 16th century, now suddenly we have a beautiful, bright Shona Perkton, the beautiful Perkton, Mm -hmm. or the Shia Perkton, the ugly Perkton, who had fangs and tusks and horns and drove out demons and ghosts. So men dressed as the ugly Perkton during the 16th century and went from house to house driving out bad spirits. And this is still a thing that happens in um, certain parts of the world. But then 
is Frau Perkta. Hmm. Same name, but it's a woman now. She's also known as Bertha or Bertha. She's also been called the Spinnish Frau or the Spinning Room Lady. So this is interesting because this one is where some of this interweaving of stories takes place. Like I said, this was an ADHD fuel-driven concept today. <laughs> Start talking about one thing and then I went off track, but that's okay. So Frau Perkta is just depicted as a beaked nose woman. Um, the nose is made of iron dressed in rags, carrying a cane, and pretty much just looks like a decrepit old crone. Um, but she's something else. And she carries a really long knife hidden in her dress. She bears a resemblance to the Scandinavian goddess Frigga, who was the wife of Odin. Um, and they have one obsession in common, spinning. And um, I mean this in like the weaving sense, not like mm -hmm. spinning in a circle. So the other thing she is interested in is domestic neatness, which don't visit my house. <laughs> We've established I'm not in charge of that. I need help. Uh, she's pretty judgy about the state of your home for a woman dressed in rags, which once again, please do not come to my home. I actually live here. So you would have to get your flax spun by the 12th night uh, because when the Christmas season went over, it'd be time to set up the loom, which at that time you needed enough thread to warp it and start your weaving. So, her punishment for the lazy people who hadn't gotten all of their um, flax spun was that she <laughs> she would trample and set fire to the half-spun fibers. And if you really pissed her off, and not only is it not spun, but your house is a mess, mm -hmm. then you failed to leave her out a snack. That's when she went just a little bit crazy. Um, so people believed that she could enter their homes while they slept. And if she found you had not behaved, she would rip open your stomachs, disembowel you, and stuff your cavities with straw, rocks, and other crap. Then she'd yeah. stitch you back up and move on to the next victim. Yeah, that escalated quickly. Yeah, right? Went from just being kind of a bitch to like, oh, you're a murderer. Cool. Please don't come to my house. <laughs> <laughs> she was particularly, though, intolerant of unruly children. And like to bring a posse of zombie helpers with her on her rampages to scare them. Nice. Right? She had large misshapen goose feet. <laughs> and is somehow linked to the tradition of eating goose at Christmas. Hmm. Yeah. So a common interpretation, obviously, is that she's not really human. <laughs> she, she might be of the other world. Um, part of this note on her appearance is that it's pretty symbolic of her ability to shapeshift. So maybe she's just an animal. Um, remember, she's supposed to be dual. So she's supposed to also be beautiful and kind, as well as ugly and like vicious. Her evil and scary aspects are greatly exaggerated. So you get a lot more stories about the bad things than you do the good things. Mm -hmm. um, so the good things are very like underwhelming. So the association with the goose or swan sometimes, um, she's associated with Frau Hala in the Brothers Grimm fairy tales. She fluffs quilts and makes the snow as feathers fall out. Um, we also know she's similar to Frigga. So when she's not being a psychopath, uh, <laughs> she is leading the wild hunt, which also, I guess, could be a symbol of a psychopath. I think we did an episode on the wild hunt. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. So just as a little reminder um 
So she's associated with Frigga, and Frigga led the Valkyries who would comb Battlefield and take the dead to Valhalla. They had swan's wings, so they were often in danger of being trapped in the mortal realm if they were trapped without their plumage in their human form. Um, and then swan and geese were also associated with beauty and kindness and loyalty. So when she was in her good form, she wore a white dress with white feathers to represent purity. Also often associated with birds, including that bird beak that she was wearing. Um, and a lot of anthropologists believe that in her good form, it's a very nurturing guardian of children aspect. Mm-hmm. And then may have also been the inspiration behind Mother Goose. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So there's a lot of cultural folk connection that people are familiar with within Perkta's story. However, um, like I said, some legends equate her to the wild hunt. So they said that she would fly through the night sky and attended by an army of lost souls. This sounds more like Hela in the traditional like Marvel version of Hela, yep. um, including she would look demonic in these and her army of servants visually nearly indistinct indistinguishable from Krampus. In Europe, we know the wild hunt appears at various times of the year, but it's most commonly associated with the Yule season. It's not surprising because the Yule season is absolutely really common to have visitations with the supernatural. We know this is when we think the spirits were allowed to return. Um, And the myth originally began as a hunt led by a god and goddess visiting the land during a holy holiday, bringing blessings and accepting offers from people. And then they're associated with the howling winds. And then that becomes a pack of ghouls. And then that turns into malicious intent. And my, how the story changes over time, right? Yeah. So we know she might be a dab hand at slitting bellies. And she's closely associated with Krampus. um, But she's also known as the godmother of winter and the woman who makes it snow. So those are the nice things about her. The the way she's associated with Krampus is absolutely just timing. Okay. So um, Krampus comes and like the naughty people bullshit, all of that happening at that same time of year. So Krampus comes around Nicholas Eve, which is around the fifth and Perkton tends to be more towards the epiphany, which is the last three days before Christmas. Um, They're known as the knocking nights. And among her army of the night are the souls of an unbaptized children. Have you heard the term psychopump before? Uh, yes. Okay. So for anybody who hasn't, psychopump is someone who liaises people from the realm of the living to the dead. So it's thought that she may have been a psychopump that would take unbaptized children to the afterlife. And that was obviously the Christianized version of her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just... Thing just reminds me of an extremely metal version of you know Miss Nelson is missing is you know the the nice kind nurturing lady that suddenly turns into the you know the evil scary woman that you know whips all the kids into line and does whatever. I always think it's interesting that like a lot of these really scary stories of damn near borderline child abuse or mm-hmm. murder, they always make it like this really scary ugly old woman. Um, yeah, that's just not usually how it happens in real life. Yes. <laughs> there are not too many random old women that kidnap kids and murder them, but yeah. Not anymore. Um, I think that this has really been relegated to middle-aged men, unfortunately, at this yeah, day yeah. and age, but. 
how the world changes, right? Um, Frau Perkta's other name is Hala or the Hala, Hala, mm -hmm. uh, winter goddess, it, which means shining and bright, which is her association with the epiphany. Um, and then they also assign her the star of Bethlehem. So, like, that's how they link it into the Christianity um, aspect of it. So, we know that she only appears between winter solstice on the 21st and the Epiphany on January 6th. Um, but they do have events still that take place for Perkton overseas. Um, and Gaston Perkton have been proud members of the UNESCO World Intangible Heritage List since the 2011s. So, that's pretty cool. But then Christianity takes place and not obviously 2011, but like during the story period. Yep. So Christianity starts to gain popularity in the Austro-Hungarian region and Krampus starts to shift and you start to see the Perkdiklaufen also shift during this period of time. So they all start to fall in with Christian beliefs more because that's how Christianity worked at the time was you came in. You saw the local culture and then you're like, how can we make this more Christian? And so they adopted certain aspects so that it was familiar so that Christianity was an easy transition. So the Perk de Flauven were specific, specific, specifically suspicious, suspicious. Ah, okay, cool. They were sus. <laughs> I was like, I can't, can't get this word out. Yeah. Um, and they started to ban uh, the perfect Laufen and some of the Krampus appearances. So it's really hard to enforce a ban in Alpine regions, anything in montane regions, especially if it's sparsely populated, because little po pockets of people will just keep their traditions going because they're like, what the hell are they going to do to me? They can't get to me out here. And they may never have even heard that they were banned, right? Yeah. So it's basically pretty useless. Um, and then you start to have the, the Perklauf inspires the Nicholas play and introducing St. Nicholas. So this is when St. Nicholas really starts to take on in this region and he's the light. So now you have Perkta is now St. Nicholas, um, when she's the good side. And then Krampus is introduced to be subjugated to St. Nicholas's will as his BFF. They have to go everywhere together. So Christian's started to add things to Krampus to evoke the binding of the devil, things like chains. Um, Krampus also took on a lot more devilish qualities, including carrying the basket to take children to hell because hell wasn't really a concept during the early 16th century. And then from there, you already see Krampus is in the holiday season. Um, it's super easy to see how he's incorporated into the traditional Christian holiday season. Mm -hmm. And then to drag in St. Nick at the same time. Like, oh, this epiphany season is a perfect time to bring in St. Nick. So we do know that today Krampus has his own celebrations on the day before the Feast of St. Nick in the Alpine region. Um, December 5th is called Krampusnacht. And you get some really cool saint nicks costumes of people that are traditional like i want to say almost like a guy in the church like a bishop right yeah. mm -hmm. and then you have these really wild krampus costumes and they are beautiful like the the masks that they make are generally wooden and they are some of the most intricately carved beautiful things you have ever seen. terrifying 
but the craftsmanship is phenomenal. Um, so what will happen is people dress up to as St. Nick and Krampus, and then they go to homes and businesses and they offer gifts and playful threats. Um, playful. There's even, you can get Krampus knocked greeting cards to send out instead of Christmas cards. If you're interested in that. <laughs> now the downside is, is that sometimes uh, especially in Europe, people get a little drunken and unruly and take things a handful too far. So large groups of people will dress up as Krampus and just kind of run crazy through the streets with these birch sticks and just kind of slap people. I can't imagine that you would be surprised by this, but young men are especially vulnerable to these activities. <laughs> and tourists will say that the rowdy celebration, things like running into a coffee shop will not save you. They will chase your ass in just so that they can spot you with these birch, just deal with it. And they're not always like gentle to the point where like, They've, they had a riot one year mm. where they just beat the hell out of each other. So they got a little too intoxicated, but it's still an important um, holiday in a lot of uh, tradition, tradition in a lot of countries. And it, like I said, has really intricate, handmade, expensive masks, elaborate costumes, parades, um, very similar to Christmas. It's becoming pretty commercialized and kind of a bummer in that way. But it's pretty phenomenal that this is still, you know, coming through because it's an yeah. example of living tradition of folk art. Like nobody else does this. So it's pretty cool. And we always think it's cool when an ancient tradition lasts, you know, for forever. Uh, but Krampus has had a, a rough go trying to make it. So we know in Austria in 1923, Krampus and all the Krampus not activities were banned by the fascist Christian social party. Uh, the motives were pretty murky. So we're not talking about sparsely early Christianity anymore. We're talking about a fairly populous countries at this point. So in 1923, people thought they agreed Krampus was an evil force. And therefore, like, there's clear ties to the Christian devil and less clear ties to social Democrats. Like, obviously, this is <laughs> what it is. Uh, Krampus isn't good for the kids. And so they start passing out pamphlets that say things like Krampus is evil. Don't influence your kids. This is, is like a violent holiday intruder. You do not want him in their house. They even had a point about how um, telling misbehaving children that they were going to be eaten by St. Nick's evil twin probably was traumatic. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're not wrong. It probably is traumatic, but. The ban only lasts for about four years. Um, there's some vague murmurs of disapproval after that, but they don't last much longer because no one can keep Krampus down because the story is just too damn good. But then in the 1950s, they tried to distribute those Krampuses and evil man pamphlets again because uh, they were really concerned that Krampus was damaging children's mental health. Did this stop anybody? No, he is still alive and well. Um, by the end of the 20th century, he is back in full force and has even started to make appearances in the U.S., um, especially in movies, because there's a whole movie called Krampus <laughs> now. Yep. So it's still popular. Some cities are having uh, celebrations that include costume contests, parades, you know, all the normal things you can do. And there's this real resurgence of German holidays going on right now 
So, like, the German holiday markets are surging in popularity among Americans right now to go to Germany to go to the markets, which I think is interesting at best. So, let's throw ourselves down a rabbit hole because none of this was rabbit holy enough, Will. Yep. All of it is a chaotic nonsense. But here are some paranormal things that are Christmas superstitions. If you are born on Christmas, you cannot die by drowning or hanging. (laughs) Good to know. Right? If you're born on Christmas, you are more prone to seeing the dead. Um, Another saying is that the dead will never bother you if you're born on this day. That kind of thing. So more likely to be psychic with the, the dead. If you think that you have evil spirits lurking around your home... You need to open the doors of your house on Christmas Eve at midnight and let the wild spirits fly out into the night sky. Or the first to open the door on Christmas needs to yell, Welcome, Father Christmas, and all bad spirits will be let out. I'm absolutely trying this at my parents' house. It's 100% haunted. (laughs) Worth a go. Anything is worth trying for those poor people, let me tell you. If you leave a candle to burn overnight, which this is new for me, I always wondered where this tradition was. So I grew up in Topeka in the Potwin area, and there was always a house that had candles. Like in the 70s, they were electric, um, but candles in the windows, right? Yep. So candles left to burn overnight in the window or windows of a house ensured good luck. And if you blew, if the candle was blown out in the night, that was not good luck. That was bad. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, because that was a... I definitely remember that growing up that there would be houses with the, yeah, they were always electric similar to Christmas lights and stuff, but they would have the the windows with candles in them. So Yeah, and it's Did really that, pretty, especially yeah. like where we were, there are all these old Victorian houses. So yeah. it just was a really pretty simple decoration. Yeah, that some, was like some decorations same, gotten out of hand. Yeah, same deal in Leavenworth. It was all the old Victorian houses would do that. So Yeah. I did not know there was a tradition around it. I just always knew that like, yeah, when you got a pretty old house, you put candles in the window instead of. Right. Yeah. Same. And I'm not, I'm not crap talking to anybody's holiday decorations. I 100% want to see every inflatable that you have up. I think that they are wonderful. Um, I don't necessarily like the laser light thing where it just projects lights on the house. Have you seen that? Mm -hmm. No. Like, I like it if it's a scene. I don't like it if it's just the lights that make me dizzy, but that's a personal thing. Please do that if you like it. I like Christmas decorations, though. I will 100% come and be weird outside your house if you have them. And then if you deny someone a kiss under the mistletoe, it's probably going to be bad luck for you. Um, And you have to replace the mistletoe the next year with a different mistletoe. So, like, even though you can dry it out and preserve it or you can get the plastic ones now you want to replace it if someone doesn't kiss you under the mistletoe because you want the you don't want bad luck Mm. nice there's your story will i made it super holiday themed yeah yeah it is it is packed full of christmas goodness just you know our badness i guess but (laughs) you know but yeah a couple of murders involved it's fine yeah 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 you know so just in bowlings and whatever but it's all it's all christmas fun right yeah 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 so What's a couple of embowlings at Christmas time? Yeah, but I mean, that's what people get for having messy houses. So That's right. Yeah. 
Well, at least our house is so messy that, you know, they'd probably just be scared to come in so we don't have to worry about it. But yeah. I was going to say, there's a level of mess you want your house to be because, like, if yeah. I had an intruder, they couldn't even make it through my front door. Like, yeah. it is not great. Yeah. I mean, if there was some evil spirit that punished people with messy houses, they'd probably run from ours kind of like garlic. It'd just be, you know, just like, ah, I can't handle it. But yeah. Our houses aren't messy. They're lived in. That's it. Totally. Yeah, that's uh, what it is. Yep. Which reminds me, we're going to have our our grand Christmas break house cleaning event. This this break, we're planning on it. Another another giant house purge of built up crap that has built up over the last five years or so. So, are you going to get the dumpster and everything? No, I don't think we need the dumpster this go around. But uh, we do need to like just declutter a whole bunch of stuff. So, it's amazing how quickly it, it catches up to you. Yep. Just every every little place that's a, a little nook where you can set stuff out of the way has just slowly filled with crap. So I think they call those ADHD doom piles. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I'm not saying I have experience with doom piles at all. Um, yeah, no, I'm sure not. Outside cool. out of mind. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for the topics and, uh, you know, Merry Christmas out there to everybody. Um as always, uh, you know, check out our podcast. If you haven't listened to other episodes, tell your friends about us, rate, subscribe, review, and we will catch you all in another week. Bye-bye, Happy folks. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. <laughs>